0: on Local Now, Channel 525.
1: Again, if you're wondering why I'm not playing sound from the debate, play some of the best lines. Play Vivek Ramaswamy saying that he's not bought and paid for. Play this, play that. No, I'm not going to do it. Fox News has clamped down on debate audio, and I don't need a lawsuit from Fox News. I'll be more than happy to play you cuts from people reacting to the debate. Uh, Here is Guy Benson talking about the fact that the winner of the debate was somebody who wasn't there. And afterwards, I tried to read the room and ask for some hand raising and that sort of thing. And you got a lot of people who said Ron DeSantis helped himself. A lot of folks said Nikki Haley helped herself, especially among the women in the room. Uh, So that's obviously a positive for both of those campaigns. Vivek also got some attention. He was a little bit more polarizing. But on the other hand... President Trump is the dominant figure in this primary. I asked his supporters in the room, did any of them change at all? And the answer was no. So the question is, did last night alter the trajectory of this race in some way that's significant? I didn't necessarily see it, even though I agree with some of the sentiment in the room. And therefore, net-net, that has to be a positive for the major frontrunner in the race, Donald Trump. He was absent, but by default almost, if this keeps going the way that it's going... That's a win for him. So we'll have another month before we get the next debate. What do I think will happen based off this debate? Um, I think DeSantis is going to pretty much hold where he is. Ramaswamy, I could see Ramaswamy going up. I could see Ramaswamy going down. He might go up for a while and then go down. Because here's the thing. When you go up, you start to gain more attention. More people focus on your policies. He said last night some things. In fact, everything he said last night was... Red meat for the Trump base. Stop giving money to Ukraine, Ramaswamy. All over that. Stop giving money to Ukraine. Put the money into our southern border. Nikki Haley took him on on that. Said it's not a very, um, it's not a very uh, complex position. It's too simple of a position that it's possible to do both: help Ukraine defeat Russia and. Stop the assault on our southern border. But Ramaswamy, because he has said some things that were controversial, I would even say wrong, and then the way he has reacted to those things, for instance, he has said that he's not sure our government has told us the truth about 9-11. Okay, so this was a, democratic talking point as they grew to hate george bush after the iraq war and no weapons of mass destruction were found the left unhinged as they always are didn't like george bush's popularity didn't like the fact that 911 helped get george bush reelected they went after bush as hey you know maybe 911 was an inside job maybe it was federal agents who flew those planes in so Ramaswamy, in an interview, he has tiptoed around this by saying, "Ah, oh, you know, I don't believe anything the government tells me. I don't think they told me the whole story. So then Ramaswamy was quoted in The Atlantic, admittedly a left-wing publication, although today in The Atlantic, and this is good for those of us who'd like to see Hunter Biden brought to justice, The Atlantic said today the biggest problem with Hunter Biden's access peddling is that Now, here it is. The access peddling business may have been that his father, the president, thought it was fine. So the Atlantic left wing uh, publication is now also getting interested in the Hunter Biden investigation. Washington Post was interested earlier this week. They published a revelation about it. New York Times was interested this week. CNN's talking about it. So, in fact, I don't think I played you the CNN cut. Uh, Here's their legal analyst, Eli Honig, and then I'll get back to the point about Ramaswamy. But here's Eli Honig talking about the Department of Justice and the Hunter Biden investigation. So this is now becoming a bigger crowd of liberal media casting a suspicious glance at the Hunter and Joe Biden investigation.
0: Is the only way to fix this a trial? Uh, It may be, Erica. You know, DOJ has sort of been in a darned if they do, darned if they don't posture on this from the start. But they've made it way worse by sort of careening back and forth here. It may well be that any deal is never going to be accepted as fair. So if I'm in David Weiss's shoes here, heaven help me, I would just say, look, we're charging everything we have. We're not in position to make a deal. It'll go to trial, and we'll let the jury decide this. I think that's the only way to restore any credibility to this matter.
1: No, there is no credibility to be restored because he's letting the Department of Justice, he's letting the statute of limitations expire, so there are no charges to file. But the mere fact they're talking about it shows you that these places are getting interest. But now Ramaswamy has people's interest. He's rising in the polls. Had a young man come up to me last night at the debate, near the end of the debate. Very respectful. I appreciate so much last night. Everybody's compliments, everybody's respect. But he challenged me because I said during the debate that while I typically don't get hung up on foreign policy, I can't at this point in time find peace with turning over the presidency of the United States to a 38-year-old biotech Billionaire or near billionaire, because we are in a very precarious situation with Russia and China. Russia and China have an alliance. Ramaswamy talks about breaking China away from Russia like it's as easy as keeping, you know, his. Or or keeping like two teenagers apart by moving from one school district to another to end a bad boyfriend girlfriend relationship. It's not that easy. I'm not at peace with Vivek Ramaswamy's ability to go into a room with Vladimir Putin and out fox Vladimir Putin. He might. He might. I want whoever's going in that room or is on that phone call with Vladimir Putin to not have the attitude that, well, I'm going to get on this phone call and I'm the smartest guy on this phone call and I'm going to show this dictatorial knucklehead what life is all about. I'm going to dictate to him and tell him how things are going to be or I'm going to outsmart him. You want to be the smartest person in the room? It's always good to be the smartest person in the room. It's rarely good to believe wholeheartedly you are the smartest person in the room because it can make you blind to what you don't know. And all that makes me nervous about Vivek Ramaswamy when it comes to his foreign policy chops, which Nikki Haley is right. He has none. So this young man came up to me last night at the debate, and he's like, you know, you're on Ramaswamy about not having his foreign policy savvy and experience. And he's like, he's really no different than John F. Kennedy. JFK was 44, Ramaswamy's 38, and he said to me, that's essentially the same thing. I tried to, I hopefully did, make the point respectfully that it's not even remotely the same thing. Vivek Ramaswamy's 38 years old, he's got two young boys. In the next six years of his young son's lives, Vivek Ramaswamy's going to be exposed to all kinds of things he's not been exposed to yet as those kids start to grow up and get a mind of their own. And even none of that will prepare Vivek Ramaswamy, nor did writing Woke Inc., nor did writing Nation of Victims, nor did starting Strive Asset Management or anything else he's ever done, prepare him to go into a room with Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin or engage them separately with the fate of the world hanging on it and have Vivek Ramaswamy worthy of all my trust in his ability to do it And win that negotiation. Because what I see in Ramaswamy is what makes me crazy in a bad way about other politicians. He was quoted in the Atlantic saying, I'm not sure the feds told us everything about 9-11. I want to know how many federal marshals were on those planes that flew into the towers. And the Atlantic quoted him saying it. And then he did what all politicians do. He denied saying it. And he dared them to release the audio tape to prove that he said it. Well, they didn't release it right away. So he doubled down, betting that they didn't have the tape, except they did. And they released the tape. And you know what? He said exactly what they quoted him saying. And then he doubled down again by saying, I'm really glad they released the tape because it proves I didn't say what they said I said. No, actually, it proved that you said exactly what they said you said. And this is the sort of buffeting that Vivek Ramaswamy is going to go through now as a candidate. He has earned traction. He has earned popularity. He has captivated people with big ideas and bold statements. But now all those will be vetted and everything he said now in every interview in the past will be held up and scrutinized. And he may survive that and he may not. So I'm reading some of the social media responses to last night's watch party, sponsored by, I'm remiss in saying thank you to uh, J.D. Kaplan and the Dublin Republican Club for their kind hospitality last night. They were the sponsor. It was a great, great, great night. And I, again, want to reiterate how much I appreciate all the kind words from everyone who came over and uh, engaged me personally last night. Uh, There is, however, one thing that I noticed on Twitter that I vehemently disagree with. Uh, A gentleman on Twitter says that he came up to me last night and I just harassed at B. Hools about the three issues that I talked to Bernie Moreno and Frank LaRose about. House Bill 25, the Convention of States project, and the double taxation on Social Security. Alan, you were right there with me. Was I at any point last night, did you feel like I was being harassed by anyone?
0: You were being harassed.
1: Yeah, I was not harassed by anyone. I thought everyone was exceedingly polite.
0: I have stepped in. Gen- I'm your I'm yeah. Your you're neck. my bodyguard. Um, you're my
1: you're my you're my muscle. my pipes. That's yeah, right. absolutely. Uh, this, this gentleman said he harassed me. He did not. He harassed. He you. harassed me. He's he's pleading, a- he's pleading guilty on social media to harassment. He did not harass me. It? You know, I was not harassed. You will have to do better if you want to harass me. Uh, but we had a great, great crowd. Lots of nice people. I wish I could remember everybody's name. Shout out to Tony. She's such a sweetheart. Uh, let me see. Who else did I meet? Uh, Alice. I met Alice last night. I met Leah. Um, I met, boy, I met a lot of people last night.
0: There uh, were a bunch of people there in New You, you of people. met a bunch.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you for everyone who came out. And here is some debate uh, analysis from Josh Crash used to be with Axios. Uh, I think he has now changed his affiliation. But here he is talking about the Vivek Ramaswamy appeal, which was very apparent last night from Vivek Ramaswamy's Statements on stage and the reception that he received from the audience at Pfizerb Forum.
0: Yeah, if a lot of the Republicans were running as Coke classic, Vivek was Red Bull. He, he was literally representing the, the, the conservative zeitgeist, the base of the party. He reflected a lot of the populism, the, outs, the, 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 the desire to have someone who's an outsider. I think he did reflect a lot of where the Republican base is, a lot of younger voters. I, I like Vivek's message, but ultimately he is running against Trump and he sounded like Trump's protege with the debate. Last night, so look. Like, ultimately, I'm not sure what what his message is to be be the man.
1: Uh, well, he said a lot of things that were popular. His hand was the first one to go up when Brett Baer asked if Donald Trump were convicted of anything that he's being indicted for. Would the candidates still support him as president? And Ramaswamy's hand shot up. Ramaswamy was also asked, as were all the candidates, about. Climate change, they had like a young kid, young Americans organization saying, you know, a lot of people in my generation are concerned about climate change. And I wonder what you would say to my generation to soothe their concern over climate change. And Vivek Ramaswamy said climate change is a hoax. It's a hoax. Now, I don't know if he really believes climate change is a hoax, but I'm pretty certain that he believes that, saying that climate change is a hoax, will win him votes with a lot of people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. Uh, Jesse Kelly had a funny tweet about this this morning, the conservative radio host. He quoted the question, young people are worried about climate change. What are you going to do to calm their fears? Jesse Kelly said, the same thing I do for my kids when they believe stupid things that aren't true. I tell them to pipe down and go do some chores. Kids don't run the country, good grief. That's a really good answer. I got to say, that's a really good answer. Uh, Yeah, there's a way to do this and a way not to do this. And the way not to do it is to continue to abide their concern. And the way definitely not to do it is to spend millions, if not billions of dollars on wasteful crap that won't make any difference, which is also a point raised by Nikki Haley last night. She's like, when's India? When's China going to get their carbon under control? Why are we doing it if they're not? Good point. Now, I don't want the Republican debate to, to detract from the focus on the Biden crime family investigation, which has gotten a little quiet here for the last couple of days. Thomas Massey and the House Oversight Committee are trying to get their hands on bank records that will further illuminate just how deep this scandal goes. But eventually we're going to get to the point where these trials of Donald Trump begin, And I think at that time, you're going to feel and see a lot of pressure on House oversight or House uh, Majority Leader, Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, to open an impeachment inquiry to Joe Biden because the best way for Republicans to fight back against the ongoing targeting of Donald Trump by the legal system is to conduct a parallel investigation of Joe and Hunter Biden at the same time. Now, we know that the latest revelation is that James Comer and House Oversight have identified several pseudonyms, several nom de plumes, several fake names for Joe Biden that he had while he was in the White House. And James Carney, who was the precursor to Jen Psaki and the precursor to Corinne Jean Pierre, James Carney, who was the Barack Obama liar in chief press spokesman. Confirmed during, Biden's second ter- or during Obama's second term that, yes, Obama and Biden did use email pseudonyms because they, they posited the fact that, oh, you know, the general public gets a hold of their emails and they just inundate them with emails and they got to have a fake email so they can actually get, get work done. So House Oversight has found these emails. Who hosted that server? Where did those emails go? Who's got the goods on those emails and what was in those emails? Here's James Rosen of Newsmax, a really good reporter, used to be at Fox. For some stupid reason, he got run off there. James Rosen has gotten to the bottom of who was hosting the server that hosted Joe Biden's phony email account.
0: That issue is a set of emails that one of Vice President Biden's staff aides, John S. Flynn, uh, sent to Mr. Biden in the spring of 2016 prepping the boss for various meetings with top Ukrainian officials and which used the vice president's hidden account, the address for which was robert.l.peters at pci.gov. As you can see, Flynn also copied Hunter Biden, a private citizen, at a time when the latter served on the board of Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company. Now Newsmax has learned through intelligence community sources that it was an elite IT unit of the Defense Department that hosted the email domain for the Robert Peters address. The agency's stated missions, however, call into question whether its involvement in the provision of a hidden email account for the vice president for such purposes was appropriate, given that the office of the vice president is not in the chain of command and possesses no statutory authority or duties relating to the armed forces beyond the nomination of candidates for the service academies. The Defense Information Systems Agency, or DISA, describes itself as a combat support agency, quote, "...conducting operations to enable lethality across all warfighting domains, defending the DoD network from cybersecurity threats attacking our nation's warfighters." With an annual budget of $12 billion, DISA supports the work of officials across the national security apparatus, including at the White House. However, even if the hosting of the hidden account for the vice president was considered appropriate because of the elder Mr. Biden's role in U.S. foreign policy, The use of that dismanaged address for communications with Hunter Biden using his Rosemont Seneca business address would appear to fall well outside of the mission set of this warfighting Pentagon unit.
1: Well, what do you know? Not within the purview of what that email was for. Interesting. The investigation continues.